Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Secret Resume podcast, hosted by me, Melody Moore. In this podcast, we explore the people, places, and experiences that have shaped my guests, those which have influenced who they are as people and where they are in their work life today. You can listen in as we have a rich exploration of often unexamined and undiscussed but very important aspects of their lives, or as I like to call it, their secret resume. My guest today is Afalabi Shonake. Afalabi, or Flabs as he's widely known, is a psychologist and the head of development and team performance at Lloyd's Banking Group. Flabs has spent much of his career as a consultant and recently became a poacher turned gamekeeper and joined Lloyd's in an internal role. So welcome, Afalabi. I'm going to call you Flabs because that's how I know you. Um, Really happy to have you here today. We were just laughing about how it's funny to be doing something like this with someone that you know. Um, so we're both trying to pretend to be professionals, or I'll pretend <laughs> and you just be professional. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely um it's uh it's different as well for me, but you know, but you know, it's quite a while, isn't it, Mel? I think like probably yeah. about 15 years or something like that. So yeah, yeah. I know, a really long yeah. time. God, we obviously we're not that old that we could know I've worked <laughs> with someone for uh from 15 years ago. So it must you must mean five, not fifteen. Yeah. That's, That's what it, it. is. Yeah. <laughs> so um Flabs, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do today. Yeah, sure. So uh it's it's a new turn for me. Like I'm I'm in my first in-house role after having been consulting for 20 odd years. So it's a great opportunity, head of leadership and teams at Lloyd's, Lloyd's Bank. Um, not every day that kind of opportunity comes along. I, I wasn't looking for it, but it sort of found me, you know, through mutual former colleagues of ours. Um, uh, so, so yeah, look, you know, it's, it's, um, it's kind of having done consulting for a while, this is a new sort of runway for me yeah. doing an internal role and it's doing you know the kind of work that I love what we used to do so um yeah jackpot you know brilliant fantastic so um we're gonna leap right back now uh to the beginning obviously this is your secret resume so right back to the beginning of your story well not the very beginning but early on in your story yeah. um and that's uh when you moved here to the UK do you want mm. to say a bit about that yeah, sure. So I'm I'm from Nigeria. Um, two other brothers. Um, they were in the UK already. I, I'd been over, and you know, so that was cool. And then you know, parents luckily decided to send me over to school as well. This is 1986, um, and um, that so I came over in the summer term, right? I mean, normally you start in September. Uh-huh. I came over in the summer term. And the intention was just to come in because my brother was in the school, my middle brother, and um, he um, he was going to be leaving, right? Because he's five years older than me. So he was going to be leaving school. So they said, we'll come over in the summer term to help sort of integrate. You know, your brother will be there in the school. Literally. So I did that, right? I, I saw him like once or twice or something. He was no <laughs> use. <laughs> it's like the first night. Obviously, I cried the first night, but he came to the dormitory and saw him on the first night. But I don't really remember seeing him at school, um, apart from being the younger brother who people wanted to get because, you know, back in those days, there was a bit of, um, what's the word? <laughs> um, 
colourful behaviour, shall we say, <laughs> towards between seniors and juniors. So uh, I had to deal with a bit of his legacy because I was the younger one, so they wanted to get me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. So you can listen to this as well. <laughs> no, you can, you just, you'd just pass some messages to him via the medium of a pod yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> a long-held grudge. Um, what was that like coming from mm. Nigeria where you're living with your family to being... I don't even know how many thousand miles away that is. It's a long yeah. way. It's yeah. a completely different culture. It's a completely different weather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what What is that even like? I can't imagine. And you're eight years old. I'm, I'm eight years old. Um, so look, well, is people often ask me that must have been so difficult, you know, and I'm like, at the time, looking back, I can see that, right? But at the time, it was just life. Um, I'd already been to England. In Nigeria, I used to play cricket with my brothers and, and you know some of our friends. So we, um, so I came in the summer term. So that was lucky. And mm. I was cricket was my best sport at school. Boys are very very simple. You know, it's like you're good, you're sporty, you kind of get in, you find friends. So so that was a godsend for me, really. But having said that, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie, it was cold. Yeah, I found it cold. Even in the summer. <laughs> yeah. I had to wear shorts. Like that blew my mind. Like shorts and then in the winter, you know, because the seniors were the only the elder boys were the only ones who wore, wore trousers. So it was cold. The food was bland, not what I was used to <laughs> at all. Um and then also, you know, you didn't think about this, but I'd left a place where not only was I surrounded by black folk, I was surrounded by Nigerians, right? So your name, your ways, everything, it was just, and one of the things I vividly remember was, um, you know, everything's communal there, right? Boys school, boarding, you come out the shower and everything. Everyone. So and I remember like I'd come out and I'd cream myself, you know, and there'd be this moment where I get my cream and the other English guys, my friend, yeah, they're friends and everything, they'd be looking at me weirdly, right? Looking at me creaming myself. And then I'd, I'd be looking at them weirdly, not creaming themselves. So I'd be like, so we had this sort of weird thing and it was just, you know, that was probably the back to it, my first sort of exposure of, um, you know, the whole, all of the dynamics around culture, identity, you know, race, ethnicity, all of that. Um, so, so, you know, it took getting used to get the cold for sure. But I think sport was a big... Um, let me say integrator for me mm -hmm. um and uh and and yeah you know you know school can go either way and luckily for me you know I got in friends some still friends today um fewer of them but some and um yeah you know it, it, I, I sort of made it work I guess mm. were, were there many non-white kids in the school no no so I was the only black kid in my year um there weren't many others there was a, definitely another indian chap in the year i'm just trying to think um yeah he and i were still good friends today um but yeah no i mean in fact throughout my whole school year 10 years schooling i was always the only black kid in my year hmm. um so in the year above or below there might have been more but that's just how it how it happened for me okay all right. 
So you're in the cold, uh, <laughs> <laughs> bland food. Yeah, <laughs> do you think that's just boarding school food or just no, British that's food England. generally. That's, yeah, certainly in the eighties. <laughs> Come on, it's got a bit better now. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but when you were eleven, mm. it was you had a bit of a, a shake up. Is that the right uh, word to to use? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, I um. I'm not, I'm, I was never the best academically, right? Um, I, I think I'm much in a different place now because what I'm doing is more vocational and that plays more to my strengths, right? But Nigeria, West African parents, it's the culture of, you know, my dad's an accountant, you know, be a lawyer, be an engineer, be a professional, do. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, sending your kids to England to to learn and do great at academics and you know all of that stuff right um I just wasn't really an academic personally um so but I was in a good environment because you know it probably helped help me get better and carry me mm -hmm. a little bit right um but at the same time you know financially it was tough for my parents you know they mm. were making a lot of sacrifices to send myself my brothers over and you know parents love their kids but let's be honest they also expect something in return and you know uh -huh. it's not going to be for nothing right fairly fairly so you know i wasn't really doing well at school my, actually my, my brothers <laughs> probably helped <laughs> despite not helping me when i came to help out to try and talk to my parents say you know he's not the best you know academically i mean anyway I wasn't doing great. I was sort of okay. And then had a tutor as well. And there was one time when I was in Nigeria, we were back there for holidays with myself and my brothers. And um, my brothers went out somewhere and I was like, oh, I'll go with them, right? And in going with them, the tutor came, it was a French tutor, you know, parent again, worked right? And um, I think he came and I missed, missed the lesson, right? And so, when uh, when that thing got home, my parents were definitely not happy. Like I got, I I knew about it. That's for sure. And then they called me into their bedroom, and they were like, you know, this has been going on. You worked on being da da da. We're going to bring you back to Nigeria. You know, you're going to leave London. And I was like, whoa, okay. They've been saying this, not not as a threat, but like now it's for real. Um, so it was about age eleven, and then that evening, um. We went to church like as we as we would normally do, and um, that was, you know, whether you are of faith, any faith or no faith, but basically saying prayers, or whatever. And, and the priest like spoke to my she spoke to my parents afterwards and was just like, no, don't don't bring him back. Let him, you know, go to the. And I don't know, like that saved me, like because I was, you know, a few hours before I was, they were gonna let the school know I was coming back. You know that was kind of like there is a god <laughs> you know, so divine so, intervention through the priest 100 100 you know priest saying prayers talking to my parents whatever so that was um you know um yeah like i say whether you believe or not like for me that was definitely a poignant time and um you know thanks to my parents they stuck at it um it was you know it was a lot of depreciation in the naira the currency versus the sterling it's hard and everything but you know I, i'm blessed in that they stuck at it and eventually i got through the the period where it's all about academics you know as a kid and 
you know, I could get through to sort of being more in my own, um, you know, and kind of what I'm doing now. Did it change your behaviour, that threat of, because it sounded like it was a proper serious, it was not really a threat, it was about to happen. Oh, yeah, 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 it was. I mean, it's funny because I remember more the moment. I, I'm sure I did, because I knew this was for real, right? I'm sure I did try and work harder, um, you know, and, um, you know, maybe they could see see I was, I was trying my best, you know? Um, but I was never like in the A stream, you know, they'd always say to me, be in the A stream. That's, that's what parents are. I was never at that level. Um, so, but, but I did, I did try, you know, I tried my best and, and I would get good report. You know, I wasn't a troublemaker at school mm. or anything. I just, just, you know, I think missing that lesson was like, is this kid, is he serious? You know what I mean? After everything. But, but, you know, I went back and I, I did try my best and work harder and, you know, I made it through you know I didn't GCSEs I only got one A one A seven B's like a lot of my peers were getting more A's mm -hmm. A stars I can't remember if that was a thing back then um A levels BBD you know D not great do you know what I mean so but but I just I managed to enough to get through and then get to a place where I was doing psychology and actually now what I'm doing occupational psychology which is just much more vocational mm -hmm. and and much more in my sweet spot. And mm -hmm. um, were your brothers more academic? So had they kind of had an expectation <laughs> set up from your brothers? So one of them, my middle brother, Collar was. My eldest brother, Laddie, wasn't. Um, but it just shows the whole thing about academia. Like, you know, that's that's what how it is early. So my middle brother, Collar, you know, went, went for Oxford right mm -hmm. didn't get in went for like pp or i can't remember exactly what it was or it didn't get in um but he you know he's smart he switched on he's a barrister now right so you can imagine you know works hard my eldest brother not academic at all like me um but worked bloody hard and had a great career in the in the city you know um which you know that that is a grind and it requires resilience you know all the underlying stuff that mm. fundamentally is what determines whether somebody's going to be successful or not you know mm -hmm. he had that you know he had drive he had commitment all of that stuff um so so that was a mix it was a mix I mean, my dad's an accountant so he you know he valued that professionalism and my, my middle brother being a lawyer but i guess yeah we we're a mixed bag but 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 we all work hard like mm. that is common across the three of us from our parents. Uh, we all, you know, we put a shift in, we graft. Mm. And how has that influenced your, how, cause you have twin boys. How does that yeah. influence your parenting of them and their academia? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm, for me personally, what I'm always saying to my boys is, you know, get in the habit of, putting a shift in, putting effort in, right? Um, and in time, you know, that'll transition to get get good at relationships with others because that's also a big differentiator. Like, mm -hmm. I know that, right? But what I'm saying to them now is the stuff that you're putting a shift, it's about your work at school, right? It's about academics, right? And you'll do whatever you do in that. But don't have a fixed mindset. You know, believe you can give it a go. Get in the habit of putting in effort um trying your best 
you make mistakes, learn from them, all that kind of stuff. And whatever you end up doing, you'll take that underlying stuff to that, right? So if, if you're an academic, great. But if it's something else, you've still got that underlying raw kind of, you're curious, you put effort in, you learn from your mistakes. That's the stuff that I think is important. And mm. if you're not an academic, maybe like me, you've just got to get through the period of in school where it's all about grades and then mm -hmm. take that raw underlying kind of thing that you have in you and, and use it where where you land, where is your spot, you know? So that's, yeah, that's kind of what I try and help them with. But they have, they've got to get through the school stuff. They're, they're doing exams, they will be. So, you know, there's no getting away from that. No, but no one asks you now, do they, you know? I literally can't even remember. I did O levels and I cannot could not tell you what grades I got in what subjects. I, I can't remember. Yeah. It's, it's not it's relevant. Not a thing, but if you're not somebody who's gonna put a shift in and what you know, that will that will affect you now. You know. Yeah. So I try yeah. to cultivate that. Yeah. But I just worked hard, I just wasn't smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not book smart. Uh, no, not book smart. Exam no, spot not, smart. Not book yeah. Smart. No. Okay, um, so let's jump forward a bit. Um, and I think this was after university. So you studied um, psychology, as all the yeah. best of us do. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, but then when you left university, things didn't quite go as planned. Yeah, yeah, you know, and this is this is probably the resilience thing, right? Um, you know. I, Initially, it was great. I, I, I left uni, I traveled around the world for 14 months. Fantastic. Um, everyone else had done a gap year in between school and uni. My dad was like, no, I want to see you through uni. West African, Nigerian dad kind of thing. So fine. So I did that, went through uni, traveled around the world. Great. Um, came back in about 2000. And um, I've, I only got a 2-2. Hence, you know, not, you know, I just missed that about fifty nine percent. You and I are the same. We are the <laughs> same go. person. Flaps. There you go. You see. <laughs> so, so you know, and I busted to get it. I was like one more percent because it made a difference back then. Getting on jobs and graduate milk mm -hmm. rounds and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't get on. Came back. Um, you know, you had a great time, but need a job. You know, broke. Need a job support family support so not like um you know ends meet ends you know making ends meet or anything um so i'm i'm hustling around looking for work um i get a job in recruitment great um somewhere in, in this timeline like i did that for a couple of years but it wasn't a job for me it's sales and you know as i look at it now like i say sort of that's that's just sales or or recruitment or the only other job is more sales or more recruitment right um so i leave that um go and get a master's but in amongst all of this you know i need to get job i need to get a job i get a master's i in oxide great and then i'm really looking for work and you know trying to get professionalized in this and it's really really hard to find work there's there's hardly any jobs um so i'm like damn and i'm still hustling sending out cvs you know this is the hustle comes in you know the work hard and in amongst this i'm not getting any money you know luckily i'm at i'm at home but you know my dad is like you know go and sign on 
um, for for the doll. And I'm like, it's blowing my mind. I'm, I'm not going to curse, but I'm like, what the? What's just going, what did you just say? Because I'm like, my dad, who's so proud and, you know, her parents work hard, send, you know, they, they, they have greater aspirations. So I'm like, this is crazy. Like, what are you doing telling me to sign on? Anyway, I'm, that hit my pride because I'm like, this is not the aspiration I have for myself. Um, but I kind of trusted my dad as well, <laughs> you know, because I knew that he wouldn't, you know, he's, he's given me advice for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, so I went and I signed on and um, that was difficult. But then you get a bit of money and, you know, you kind of move on because you need it. And uh, and then anyway, long story, you know, like still hustling, looking for jobs. I find a job, you know, I go to a place and I say, listen, I'll come and work. I've done my master's. This is work I want to do. I'll come and work for free. I just need you to pay for my travel to the office. Mm-hmm. Right. They took me on as an intern. Great. I think I could still stay signed on, I think. And then a few months late, because, you know, you can't have a job. And obviously, because mm-hmm. I was an intern. So then a few months later, they do recruitment. They offer me the job. Brilliant. Happy days. And I go and I, you know, I go and tell at the, the employment, the job center. Yeah, I've got a job. You know, I'm signing off now. Great. Happy days. You know. So, so I'm, you know, great. Starting a new job and everything. And then a little while later, I'm kind of saying to my dad, this is like years later. I'm like, dad how come you told me to sign on like that can't have been the whatever and I thought he was sort of doing like the reverse psychology on me Mm. like you go and sign on and um you know you won't like it and it will push you harder to get a job Mm -hmm. you know I I thought that was what he was doing whenever spoke about it was that what you were doing and he was like no I just I paid my taxes and my insurance (laughs) so it's very pragmatic (laughs) yeah it's like i've paid into the system and if you need it you should use it so i'm like fair enough that's fine you know so it wasn't it wasn't the profound moment but i guess it was profound because i um you know it it still sits with me and it just reminds me of the the hustle the whatever Mm -hmm. the pride the desire to get up and go and you know i wanted more for myself and did, so yeah, even though yeah. that wasn't your dad's intention, did it have yeah. that impact on you? That because you felt it, you felt it to to have to go and do that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like that was that was never my aspiration um, for myself, you know. And even though I wasn't an academic, I still wanted, you know, I don't got that achievement motive we talk about, right? Uh-huh. So so I still wanted stuff, and that's that was I was never satisfied with that, you know. But I had no, I, I needed something, you know. You know, I could have tried and asked my dad or whatever, but he didn't, he, you know, for money. But that that wouldn't have worked for me either, you know. You're at a point where you want to be doing stuff. So it did, it did motivate me for sure. Um, and um, it probably had the effect that, because I said I trusted my dad, I was like, maybe this is what he's doing. So it did, mm-hmm. it did work. It did motivate me. And, you know, I kept <laughs> hustle and I... I was that's why I went and volunteered I said listen I'll work for free you know and and luckily that was my in and you know not look back since then yeah and speaking of your dad one of the things that you told me is really how you know your family and your upbringing has had a really strong 
impact on you mm. and and how you think and who you are tell us a bit about that yeah totally I mean you know blessed with my parents um my you know I, I got different things from them you know my mum was was unbelievable in um you know helping me sort of helping an element of independence as well you know um just the stuff at home learning how to cook you know being in a home all of that kind of stuff um my mom you know discipline um you know she was she was a no-nonsense woman basically so again the graft the hustle you know i saw a lot of that in her she worked she brought us up you know both my parents worked and and also just the values you know humility and and um helping others and you know um and and my dad as well like <laughs> I'm, I'm i think of my you know i'm his spitting image in a way like he says to to my wife nana is like if, if you want to know who you're marrying <laughs> look at me yeah <laughs> look at me you know this is gonna be him in 30 years kind of thing you know so so you know counsel advice looking up to somebody as as a as a boy looking up to somebody as a man and 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 seeing stuff and just um you know and for both my parents the fun times the laughter you know with my brothers bringing us up um and just the um values like humble values and you know not they were never extravagant my parents um and if they were but there was still a level of humility to them you know and not kind of the big wild whatever so um so yeah that that was just priceless and and being a big big shaper for for me i'd say mm -hmm. yeah okay. uh well you we were talking about uh not being big spender i was admiring your top and you were telling me that you <laughs> wear your clothes <laughs> <laughs> till they fall apart so is that something you've got from uh, from, from them <laughs> that's that's from my dad wearing the clothes <laughs> until you cannot wear them anymore so and that that was my mum and dad would go because my mum would it's kind of like nana and i right my mum would always clean out his stuff and i had like this top you see now is because nana got tired of the one i was, <laughs> so I was a wearing scrappy was husband probably, yeah fraying and she you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't throw it away i just wouldn't but so <laughs> she went and bought some other ones and i was like thank you with gritted teeth because uh, <laughs> there's a message in there which she's trying to tell me so it's a nice top though, yeah. yeah yeah it is a very nice top <laughs> <laughs> I would wear it um let's talk a bit about uh actually where you and I first met each other so uh the organization I guess we can say the name hey group um yeah. it doesn't exist anymore um as such um that's somewhere you really found your feet what tell us about that yeah I mean uh, you know I think you and I will testify it can take a while for you to find your feet in hay because there's a lot of mm. you know, nuances peculiarities and subtleties and everything but you know as I look back I mean what a place um what an experience for fifth well 11 however many years before it, it became corn ferry um like yourself, you met brilliant people, good people, just good human beings who are friends still. We're not under the same house, but we're still in touch. Um, brilliant people at work. 
I mean, that was like proper depth and expertise there, mm. like really, really strong stuff. And, um, you know, you look at it and I was just like, it was great to be in that environment and to learn from it, you know, real, real depth, real, you know, and then the people now, you know, you think like from there and then lastly, you know, in KF, I've, you know, mentors for me from there. Like I think about Gina, you know, in the okay. top team space, still in touch with her. Like she's a mentor for me, you know, I still, you know, love her and everything like that. Um, and there, there were others you could think about, you know, um, but um, I love the work, Mel. You know, it was great. This is where the vocational stuff, like I've now, mm -hmm. I got two one in the masters, right? I got two one in the masters. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but that's because that was, that was in my space now. It was vocational mm. stuff that I understood and I can do. And now I'm working on it in Hay with, with great clients, great colleagues. Um, yeah, yeah, there was, there was stuff that really annoyed you and, and upset you at times. Sure, where, where wouldn't, but overall, you know, so... So all the stuff that you pick up, it was, it was, it was great. And, and, you know, my, my, in the job that I'm in now, um, my dad just, like, he was like, it's, it's like your dividend, this job now. I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, well, all the stuff, you know, you think about time and time again, and Hey, you just did this thing over and over again. And you got really good at it and mm -hmm. you did it with different clients and you saw different problems and, now having had all of that to be able to bring that to bear in an in-house role like i've got really strong foundations there you know um and and listen great great people the tolba you know friday night <laughs> you know around the corner the everybody can complain about the local pub but you'd always go there and when it closed down it's like ah where are we gonna go <laughs> that just and, killed it for us didn't it and when it yeah, wasn't the yeah. same once they closed it down yeah, so it's a really great place to work. Um, great experiences, learned a lot. Fantastic people, a lot of them still friends now. Um, like anywhere, you've got to know how to maneuver your way through the, the, the system as well. But, you know, what did you What did you learn there about that kind of progression and that kind of, you know, because it's not about academic. No. Uh, achievement anymore no. um you know what what did you learn about how to progress and what was important and look it took me a while now <laughs> it took me a while to learn it but um um you I I'm not I was never massively a self-promoter right um I was the naive meritocracy work kind of more in that space not exclusively mm -hmm. but more in that space right um and then you just get frustrated because you your career stands still and and you see that others don't and you're like what's going on and you want to leave and you get annoyed and this and that um so it, it got to a point really where i was like i had to find a way to rationalize for myself doing my own self-promotion because um, let's be honest, it's about relationships mm -hmm. at the end of the day, right? In a consulting firm, you know, will I put you on my project? Will I put you in front of my client? Can I vouch for you? You know, it's all relational stuff, right? Because they assume that you can do the job. Um, 
so I had to I had to I had to realize Mel that when I was over here in this country doing this work and it was great and I was getting good feedback my boss didn't necessarily know about it mm. right because they were elsewhere in another country whatever right um so I had to find my own way of of making it known that I'm doing great work as well you know and I I can progress and I can operate at the next level right um so when I had that realization I rationalized it that I'm going to tell you about the stuff I'm doing, right? Not from a self-promotion perspective, but we're in a consultancy, right? We sell time and expertise to clients, right? So if I'm doing great stuff over here and I think it's going to help you with your client over there, I can help you. I'm going to let you know about it, right? So, and in, in turn, it's also doing great promotion for me, right? And it started to help people understand more and more about what I could do and my skills and all of that stuff, you know? So I needed my own way, which I think everybody does in that kind mm -hmm. of environment. You'll know what you went through, but I needed my own way to, to be able to do a bit of self-promotion, to add to, not instead of, well, maybe in some people you could say instead of, <laughs> name no names <laughs> you know you might have to edit that bit. No, no, um, but but what did i have to do to add to to let people know that no i can do this stuff you know and I'm, i am ready to progress and promote to the next level you know and you know hey whilst it was great it had the quirks like i remember one at one point being told yeah you know the feedback is you can't you know you're not really seen as somebody who can manage projects um it's like what um so at the time I was moving house and getting married and, you know, getting married right through that. Oh, uh, and by the way, in MBTI speak, cause like I'm an ISTJ, like I am the project manager. <laughs> I know. It, I remember you telling me that. And I was like, what do, do these people know you? <laughs> so, you know, so I like, I am the planful one in any, you know, so so it's that that's the kind of the stuff that you had to, you know, whilst it was a great place, you had to swallow up. I'm like, where did you get that from? And it, it eats at you and da, da da da. So then you have to, you know, you fall down, you have to, this is the hustle, right? This is the resilience. You have to get yourself back up. If you don't agree with it, you have to find your own way, get me on a project, show that you can do it, talk about it to other people, you know. So I guess I learned the importance of the um, you know, the relational bit. And, and underlying that, finding, the, and this is the more important bit, right? Finding an authentic way for me mm. to do that stuff that perhaps wasn't so comfortable, um, you know, that you kind of had to do because with the best one in the world, you're in a consulting environment. So you're here, there and everywhere. <laughs> you know, you, people are just not going to necessarily know. So you've got to do that self-promotion. Yeah. But that's true in life, you know? Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you're saying about finding a way to do it in a way that felt comfortable to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to be like other people, but you still have to do it. Yeah, look, until until I found that now, I couldn't, you know, that that for me was a different point in the career, you know, yeah. because otherwise people see through it. You, uh -huh. It doesn't come well. People know what you're doing. But because I could rationalize that I've done great stuff here, you I know you're doing this with your client you would benefit from knowing mm -hmm. about this let me come and tell you or then you have to go and talk talk to it at a you know a colleague thing we're doing mm. you know that was how I rationalized 
the self-promotion angle of what you've got to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about, uh, so this would have been um, later on, uh, I guess we probably, yes, we transitioned to being Corn Ferry by this point. Probably, but, yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, and it's something that really, you know, part of the reason I asked you to come on this podcast is because of of what happened then and how your reaction and response really, you know, affected me and touched me and other people that we know, which was the the murder of George Floyd and, mm. you know, what happened uh, in the US, but, you know, around the world as a result of that. Can you, you know, you wrote a LinkedIn post, which for me was just incredibly powerful, and I'm assuming it's still up there. I'll link to it in the, yeah. the show notes. But let's talk a little bit about how you felt, what your reaction was. Mm. Yeah. So, um, George Floyd, I think it's May 2020 when that happened. So my boys, my kids, I think they're eight, eight years old by this time. And they've already, <laughs> different to me, right? Different to me, because I came over here when I was eight years old. Um, I hadn't experienced any kind of, uh, you know, I talk about cream in my hands as a kid, but I, you know, I hadn't experienced anything before I was eight years old from a, you know, race and ethnicity perspective, right? But they already had, by the age of five, um, in school, um, comments like, um, you know, this group wasn't didn't do very well because there's you know three out of five of them are black right the kids you know um you see this is in the article like um you know you should eat poo because your skin is brown like poo kind of thing you know so these are these are and i'm always astounded when people are like oh the next generation they'll be better and you know i'd be like ah. yeah i feel <laughs> the same i i yeah i i have a similar uh yeah. skepticism yeah. So, so basically, right, they've been experienced to this kind of stuff, right? Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll speak with the school and everything, but what I'd also been doing, though, perversely was, and, you know, it needs to be both, but what I've been doing exclusively was helping them get better at the stuff they were going to face into, right? About their identity, about their ethnicity. I was helping them learn how to deal with it you know about not being proud about being black and saying they wanted to be white like i'm so all my energy is going in to that pre pre george floyd right um why i don't know i i somehow came through it you know i was the only black child in my year i think i was lucky that i was going back to nigeria in the holidays not all of them but most of them so it helped me keep strong with my identity mm -hmm. you know and my family and everything friends so i'm like um, so i'm like my kids are not so i've got to help them so i'm putting all my effort into helping them almost put on that armory to deal with the stuff that i know is going to come flying their way right um then george floyd happens and around about this time in corn Ferry, you know my other mentors the sages as i would call them you know audra and and rolando um we're doing a load of power of choice stuff with them mm. right and you know i just uh, just because at this time you had started getting involved more in diversity and inclusion work yes. prior to this hadn't you and yeah rolando and audra sort of great luminaries in the corn fairy world in that 
in that type of work and you were yeah. working with well we were both working with them both yeah yeah absolutely yeah so I I guess because I was always doing facilitation stuff right mm -hmm. I'd actually done DNI that first role where I said you know I'll work for you for free I'd actually done a DNI training there mm -hmm. we did less of it at Hay um, but you know came in and you know just started to do more of it when because which are, you know when they were acquired into Corn Ferry so so I'm doing work with them right sages brilliant people you know I'm still in touch with them and um and uh one of the tenets in that is it's not just a, it's it's a shared responsibility this stuff right it's not just um the the individual it's also the systems and the managers so so i'm talking and then you know then george floyd happens and I'm in this room and I'm, you know, one day I'm just like, start banging on the on my laptop, start writing, writing, bang, 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 bang. And that's the, the blog that you refer to, you know. And so I don't remember the sequencing, but in around the sequencing, but in and around that time, I have a kind of a hang on a minute. All I've been doing is helping my boys, you know, who at this time, uh, what, seven, eight, whatever, George Floyd. All I've been doing is helping them get stronger at dealing with the inappropriate stuff they're going to live with, right? What am I doing to actually challenge that inappropriate stuff out there with my voice? And it kind of, you know, came to me that, you know, with the fortunate education I've had, with all of the love and support from my parents being comfortable in my identity and where I come from, whatever, you know, the the stuff that I've been doing at work and the stuff that I've learned at Hay, like I need to say something, you know. Um, it would I it would be wrong of me not to be able to use that and draw on that. Um, so it's not that I didn't I wouldn't help my voice, but I started to turn my voice outwards more. Um, because I'm like, this ain't right. <laughs> this is not, it's not about me helping them get stronger to deal with this. It's about, well, let's actually talk about some of this stuff as well. You know? So that was, I think a big, non-consciously a big, big driver for the piece that I wrote, the blog. I'm not a writer. Um, my middle brother is, um, you know, but so that, that just, um, I just I just started banging, you know, typing and you know, so so when it comes to you, you just go with it, you ride the wave. And when I look back and after doing it, I think that was a bit of getting me to sort of talk out there and then obviously doing more of the work with Audra and Rolando, that sort of added that as well. And you know, now I started to turn my voice a bit more outwards about some of this stuff, not necessarily with posts on LinkedIn, but even in work with other people or the work you're doing. Um, because yeah, it's like I'm not just gonna say my boys need to get better at this. Like that's nonsense. Mm. <laughs> you know? Well, and I know that what you did and what you wrote and the, you know, some of the people that you spoke to internally, that had a really profound effect on them. You I think I've told you because you didn't necessarily know that. No. But hearing there's something so powerful about hearing from someone they know and they trust and they respect. And and understanding you know just some aspects of your life that they had no idea about yeah. Yeah. um uh, and and uh, you know i always think with with diversity there's something and inclusion there's something around knowledge mm. is really important and yeah. um 
you know a lot of us are acting in complete ignorance because we have yeah. no just no understanding of other people's lives and what yeah. they face on a day-to-day basis yeah look totally totally Mel and I think um you know it was it's sad that it took it but it was a uh, an awakening moment for a lot of people and probably opened the door to to more conversations for many and you know and also private reflections like you know I, it, it took me back to for example you know I would talk about this but I remember when I when I was sort of I don't know 25 or whatever whatever age you know I'd be going out out come back home and I'd be walking home late at night right and if you were walking towards me Mel when I'm walking home right I, I don't see myself I'm I'm chill I'm not a threat right no but subconsciously Mel if you were walking towards me I'd cross the road mm-hmm. right I'd cross over the road and walk the other way right uh, they're on the other side now I was saying this to some people and we had a laugh and they were like, oh, that's really considerate. You were doing this to protect, you know, the woman who, who was walking towards you. And look, I get it and understand it. And there's horrible things that, that happen. And, you know, and, and we had a joke about it. I was like, yeah, and I was doing it to protect me as well. <laughs> like, you know, to kind of, I wanted to go away from anything that I might be seen as a potential threat or risk, mm-hmm. you know that's not saying of course like it's a big issue you know we've seen everything in the news with with the that the happens to, to women you know outside late at night but subconsciously you know I, i'm not I, i'm not today who i was when i was 25 like i wasn't thinking about this stuff but something in me was like this is a situation and i'm just gonna take control and go over and then walk you know mm. so so but so then being able to tell people like that's stuff that i think about <laughs> you know uh-huh. that's that's my day-to-day you know um or when I was when I'd be running to the tube right um to catch the tube like usually like you or others if you what you may not know but there's a joke about you know a black guy running like it's like what, what's he done like that that's you know so so that I carry that like I think yeah. about that you know um so it joke or like assumptions not a joke like you know prejudices it could be in some mm-hmm. so um so you know so I guess it allowed for to be able to voice some of that stuff and say you know yeah that's my reality you mm-hmm. know uh you know me you see me as flabs and it's all happy days but yeah, yeah that's that's my reality you know yeah yeah no I think it was definitely a, a wake-up call and, and like I say it was it really touched me just reading it um mm, it's always stuck with me um you know uh and like I say I think it's when you hear it from someone you know well it mm. perhaps lands differently it touches differently um from reading something from or hearing from someone you don't know so well well thank you thank you let's uh talk about uh leaving Corn Ferry so mm what prompted you to do that um yeah <laughs> because that was a few years later wasn't it a few years after that yeah it was it was um so i guess i am um, you know let's be honest corn Ferry is a different entity to hay um i'm i'm sort of going along still happy still doing my stuff but before that um some of our hay colleagues in the u.s so it was um steph sloan i think if i remember rightly she just put me in touch with another hay colleague guy called jeff and you know i was having chats with him and he was actually leaving 
mm-hmm. Corn Ferry at the time. And, and you know, you just have a chat. And I, I remember when it was like, at some point you felt like if you were, at least I felt like if I was talking to other firms, like, oh, that's a really bad thing to do. It's like you're cheating on, on you know. <laughs> you're being unfaithful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, but I talked to him and he, you know, he was like, we had a good chat. And basically the thing that he said that stuck with me is like, it's always responsible to be looking out for you and your career. And that really stuck with me because it was like, you can go and talk to other people. You can look in this way. It helps you know what you want to do and also what you don't want to do. Um, it helps you know if you're happy where you are or fundamentally not happy where you are because you can see what else is out mm-hmm. there. And let's be honest, if an organization needs to get rid of you, they will get rid of you. Um, so, so that was a really powerful message to me, right? And then I, I sort of added that to another great colleague of ours, Tiffany. Um, I remember her once t- saying to me, you know, you talk about people being self, people don't want to be selfish, right? So they become selfless, you know, and, and give themselves for everything else. And, you know, Tiffany, great colleague, fantastic coach and everything. She was like, there's a middle ground of being self-responsible, you know, where you're putting your own mask on as well so you can help others you know um and you know so those and that's the great thing about where work because you with like brilliant people who can mm. you know you bounce off you know so those sorts of things made me then realize listen i'm happy here but i've got to be responsible and look out for my career and and if the right thing comes along be ready to to look at it you know and and then the right thing did come along i got you know headhunted um to to wondrous so much smaller consultancy but i got a great vibe brilliant you know what they were trying to do you know yeah i've moved on from there but i loved it it was great you know great people again um real sort of really meaning the the work of being uh, you know the thing that we coined there is about being deeply human the work that we do you know um and you know so various people had spoken to me i didn't necessarily um you know extend all of them but then I got the headhunter and I did my he called me up and I was like listen I'm not really looking and you know he saw me coming because probably everybody <laughs> says that to the headhunter right he's like yeah yeah whatever so you know he told me about it you have conversations you have more conversations and then Jeff's words are kind of ringing in my ear you know being self-responsible is ringing in my ear and, and then I start to ask myself the question you know at this point I don't know how am I I'm just over 40 at this point so I'm like am I just going to retire at Corn Ferry like yeah it's a good place but there could be more there could be more out there and step out and and have a look and um so yeah so so I did and you know I'm happy for it um great experience um but it was really that conversation and it's one that I pass on to to others now to say look you know you're doing the responsible thing to be to be scanning and, and having conversations. You don't have to take it, but but know what's out there and know whether you're happy where you are or actually now is the right time to move on and and, and back yourself. Mm. Something about knowing your worth, isn't isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, totally. Because um because if you don't scan and benchmark and find out what's out there, you won't. You'll just think that the only option is where you are and and you know, what could you be missing, you know? 
So, mm. so this it's nothing against Corn Ferry, it's nothing against you know, wherever I've left, but it's kind of like, what else is out there? Mm. What could you be missing? You know, um, there's a world of opportunity, you know. And that then led you on to where you are now. So with Lloyd's. Yeah. So again, headhunted. Yes. The pan yeah. hair flaps. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Again, you know, going back to the chat with Jeff, right? It was like, um, um, yeah, I'm swimming along, happy at Wondrous, you know, great people, loving the work that I'm doing. I'm doing, D, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing DNI, i am doing leadership, I'm doing, you know, involved in coaching, talking with clients, great clients, learning lots, fantastic, you know? And then um, my now sort of boss boss, Sharon, um, through, and this is the great thing about Hey, right? So this was through a former mutual colleague, Hannah, who, you know, um, you know, Sharon's at Lloyd's, she's looking at what she wants to do. Um, we, we, our paths crossed because Sharon was at Vodafone, I was at Hey, Vodafone, Hey, great con um, client. Mm -hmm. I didn't work with Sharon at Vodafone at the time, but we knew of each other, we had mutual contacts, right? So, you know, the opportunity comes along and I'm going along at Hey, and I'm like, hey, you know, it's not every day you get a call from CPO of, of a FTSE, whatever we are, I should know this, 510, whatever we are, business. <laughs> FTSE uh, something. FTSE something, you might take. Um, it's not every day you get a call, you know, from from that, right? So whilst I was happy, you're like, you're going you're gonna to take the call, right? You're going to oh. take the call. So, you know, um, we have chats and um, and uh, and I'm kind of like, you know, um, this is a, the role is head of leadership and teams. It's buying the kind of stuff that I love. Um, it's what we're doing at Lloyds Bank. I think, you know, we're, we're trying to sort of go through transformation right now and a really big transformation in the financial industry. Um, so, you know, the, the agenda that Charlie, the CEO has put out is, you know, it's, it's ambitious, it's out there. And, and I'm like, wow, you know, what a great thing to try and be a part of and play a role in, you know? Um, so there's, there's those two reasons. And then the third reason I'm kind of like, you know what? Um, I, I wasn't necessarily looking and thinking about an internal in-house role, you know, I didn't go look for it, but the opportunity presenting itself, I'm like, this is a new and different challenge for me. Mm. You know, I've been consulting for 20 odd years. Um, what, what an opportunity, <laughs> you know? And, and then I start talking to people, you know, I start talking to people who've worked with Sharon before. I go to my mentors, I go to Rolando, I go to Gina, I go to Audra, you know, I go to another you know, friend of mine, Akeno, who's like, my brother's was my brother's best man you know like these are like met people who i value their opinions and i'm like this is going on what do you think and um and you know just like listen it's a it's a great new experience for you it's a great new challenge you've been on the outside you've been consulting going coming going coming you know be in something see it through have to deal with the the you know the stakeholdering the stuff you've got to do and you know what it is and, and you know so for all of that mel i just thought yeah you know, this is, um, it's a new different challenge. It's a new runway for me now. You know, I'm only 45, God willing, I've got, you know, many years ahead. And a lot of it's years. Like, 
you know, so <laughs> so I thought, what a great role, what a great opportunity, and it's a different challenge for me. It was hard leaving Wondrous, I'm not gonna lie. Like they're great people, still friends today, work with them still. They put a lot of investment to bring me along, but I had to be self-responsible as well, you know, and it, it was hard, I'm not gonna lie. Like um but it's not every day this kind of opportunity comes, no. you know? No. Um so yeah, so I, t- I took the step and here I am at, at Lloyd's um in-house. So yeah. And how is it different being uh I just wrote a note to myself, poacher turned game gamekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how how is it different being in-house versus being an external consultant well I guess I know the game <laughs> I can put it that way. that's know, true <laughs> you know uh, but but having said that I also want to be um I also want to be considerate of that as well like when I'm talking to external partners talking to, so I don't, I don't want to I don't I want to be real you know I don't want to kind of I, you know, whether there's opportunities or not, I just want to be straight up, you know, and I don't want to ask people to do work. I'm like, there's nothing here kind of thing. Um, the difference, um, so what I miss is, you know, you walk into the hay or, or Wondrous or whatever, and, you know, um, you definitely miss being around other, let's call it consulting colleagues, right? And what you get from, what I would call thought leadership that just has to be in the ether of, mm. of that sort of space of work. You definitely miss that. All right. Um, at the same time, what I value and appreciate is when you're consulting, you're brought in when it's kind of the work is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm learning now is all of this stuff you've got to do to get stuff ready to go, you know, um, which, if I'm honest, I ran away from back in 2003 when I got my first job, you know, when I was mm-hmm. volunteering, because I wanted to do the doing, right, that that we got at Hay, and then for me at Wondrous. Um, but now, you know, it's the, the scale is bigger. We've, we've got a big transformation. It's, it, you know, I'm in it to try and play a role in seeing that through. And like my dad said, it's my dividend of all the stuff that I've done. I'm trying mm-hmm. to bring it to bear in one big, massive project, mm-hmm. you know, one big, massive piece of work, which is which is exciting. Um, and I'm I'm additive in that it's not just consulting the work that you're doing. It's all the other stuff you've got to do. Like I've got a team. I had a team before, but, you know, there's, there's that, there's that, there's, there's all the cajoling and stakeholdering around that you've got to do internally, in-house. Um, and uh, but but it's great, you know. I'm 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 definitely not looking back. Fabulous, right? I'm going to throw some uh, more quick fire questions at you before we finish, if that's all right. Sure. Um, so first one I ask everybody is, what is your advice to your younger self? My advice to my younger self, um, I think. I think you don't know what you don't know. So, so, so being kind of curious and open and experimenting, it's a bit ironic because I stayed in Hay for 15 years or whatever, but um, 
and that that was great because it got me depth. But I I think if I could go back, you know, just being open, experimenting, and you just don't know what's out there. What yeah. what you so there's just the the range of learning you can get, right? So you live through your kids. You know, I'm always saying to my boys, keep an open mind. You know, you might not see the thing now, but and that you know, my mum would say that to me, my dad would say that to me. You know, to keep an open mind. Um, you know, you might not see how it benefits you now, but you might look back and think, oh, that was mm. great, you know. Mm. So so that that sort of staying open and curious, because you just don't know what you don't know. And um, you know, I think I think just because you don't see the utility immediately doesn't mean it's not gonna help you or it might take you down a path you, you didn't conceive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hundred percent agree on that. Um Second question, which I don't ask to everyone because we're recording this in Black History Month or UK Black History Month mm. at the moment is happening. Mm. And I'm curious as to what you think about Black History Month or, you know, that kind of uh, mm. celebration, whatever we want to call it. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like, you know, growing up in Nigeria till I was eight, like, you know that your identity uh, that wasn't really it was that's just your everybody's like not just black everybody's Nigerian mm-hmm. you know um so so here but so what do I think about it I think it's a good thing in some ways because I think it's good to spotlight and start to talk about stuff that you know if you're an underrepresented or um groups you you don't it's hard to spotlight you know, because the norm is not of what you are kind of thing, you know? So it's good, it's helpful to do that and bring attention to it, right? And the celebration of things, you know, at the same time, um, and I think maybe this is changing, you know, a lot of the talk of black history goes back to slavery. There's, There's so much more, right? There's so much more. But the big thing for me though is, you can say black history month, right? For me, it's not black history. It's not black history. It's British history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, and and you know, it's down to who controls the pen, right? Because we don't talk about some things in British history, right? That's black history. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so you know, it's like you, you look, there's there's lots of things in terms of paying off the bond that's not talked about in history you know the industrial revolution go and look at go and look at the links of all of that you know um that's british history mm. right um you know the middle passage that's british history <laughs> you know so um you know the uh, whatever um you look look at india that's british history you know partition yeah it's over there that's british history so 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 i think you know we have to be careful in terms of what you think about it and you know what's conveniently somebody else's history rather than a lot that has contributed to you know the state of the nation today but actually ultimately what i would really like is just more talk about you know the great achievements of of people that we don't know or hear about you know so Septimus Severus, um, Ignatius Sancho, you know, Lewis Harold Latimer. These are great names. Mary Seacole, Mansa Moose. Like, what are the achievements of some of these people 
that that are just not because it's about who controls the pen. And and for me, it would have been great to learn more about these these because it can be inspiring. You can believe you can do X Y Z. You know. Um, now look, I get you know. I'm, you're in the UK, so you'll learn certain history, but even the history in the UK was quite kind of discreet, what, what, what you learned about. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd have a play for talking and showing more great achievements of, mm -hmm. um, you know, more folk, more black folk, particularly right. all year round, not just oh, in October. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Um, uh, another question, what would be an influential book for you? What would you recommend for people? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think I referred to it earlier, but it would, it, for me, it would. I, I'm not an academic, so I'm not really a bookworm. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I had to read lots of my dirt, yeah. But, but I read vocational stuff, um, mm -hmm. and the power of choice. Um, I think it's by Michael Heiter, you know, ex-confero, whatever. Um, again, all of the work from Audra and Rolando, um, you know that is just priceless for me and I, I i did work in it you know helping others underrepresented talent development but also for me and it's for everybody it's not just for underrepresented talent mm -hmm. but also for me it's just brilliant and you know the principles that i take from there this idea of you know life by design you know not by default so i am i'm i've got agency on what i do mm -hmm. right it's not down to somebody else it's about me right what's in my gift to control and influence um we're psychologists right so your thoughts inform your behavior like that's that's just gold dust for a psychologist right so that is a key principle you know how i think about stuff that's going to affect how i show up so if i can power of choice if i can be more adept and controlling in my thoughts um you know i'm gonna that's gonna land better for me um and then the other principle around it's 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 my response, not the stimulus. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Roger Rolando, Michael Heider, like Jeff Howard, all of those people, fantastic. Like that is just genius for me because I I don't control what somebody throws at me or my kids. They don't control what I can control is my response to that thing, um, and that's that's really kind of liberating, you know. It's kind of emotional intelligence, self-control on steroids. Mm. But, you know. Well, it's Viktor Frankl, isn't it? That we're, Well, that's yeah. certainly where I see a, the quote often, you know, uh, from him about there's basically that gap between, you know, the stimulus yeah. and the response. And that's, that's where it. you have choice. That's it. Is in the gap. Yeah. Genius absolutely. stuff, right? Yeah, Genius. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you say, we have used it a lot with underrepresented talent, but it applies to everybody. It's everybody. completely, it absolutely lessons for all of us mm. um last question is uh can you think of a title or a strap line for your story mm. um i would have to say oh there's a lot that comes to mind you know you've got to be good at relationships and so but i would have to say and this is counterintuitive right but i'd say ten thousand hours um like if you want to get good at something you know and that's probably what i've come from hey you know we did a lot of science you know that expertise um however 
you know, 10, it would be 10,000 hours plus, right? And the plus for me is you got to get good at then how you sell the story, then how you influence, then how you, yes. you know, can, you can have a great idea, but can you sell it, right? Can you make it happen? Yeah. Can, can you lead other people and make it happen? You know, yeah. so, so I guess it would be 10,000 hours plus and the plus is the real yeah. the bit. Yes. That's the difference between having your brilliant ideas adopted yeah or not yeah. exactly or not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant well um I'm gonna let you go this has been I have enjoyed this so much <laughs> it's Same. been really great really great yeah. um so thank you Flabs I really appreciate uh hearing your story your words of wisdom um so yeah cheers no, it's a great thanks Mel. thanks for the opportunity <laughs> it's great to connect again and uh very reflective and cathartic so big thanks for the opportunity too you're welcome this podcast is brought to you by liberare consulting with editing provided by hawkins social if you enjoyed today's episode why not click on the subscribe button so you are the first to hear about new episodes we look forward to welcoming you back soon